HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 6, 2016. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the 90th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the director of special events for a major glossy food magazine, and I will introduce her in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to start fresh. Set new goals and strive to achieve them. Erase any negativity and think positively about the future. Remember that today is the first day of the rest of your life, and it can be anything you want it to be. So begin anew. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to kick off this year with my guest today. It is Nikki Reese Dermody, Director of Special Events for Bon Appetit Magazine and Epicurious.com. Nikki developed an interest in the restaurant industry at a young age, leafing through Epicurean magazines and newspaper dining sections as soon as she could read. She fueled her passion by earning a culinary arts degree at the then French Culinary Institute and apprenticing in professional kitchens throughout Manhattan. She previously worked at Baltic Company as senior event manager. So welcome, Nikki. Hi, Sherry. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming out here. It's my pleasure. Happy New Year. Happy 90th episode. Thank you. Hard to believe. And I've taken a little four-week break from the show, so it's nice to be back here in my first show of 2016, so super cool. Terrific. So, you always had an interest in food. 
how did you tell me a little more about your background and how you got started in the industry? Sure. I was I was kind of always fascinated by restaurant culture in a way that I think, as you and I were chatting before, a lot of people are now. Less so about wanting to get involved in operations or necessarily wanting to cook in a professional kitchen, but always just kind of fascinated with restaurants. Um, I mentioned that I used to read the dining section in the New York Times. In fact, my dad used to clip Wednesday and send it to me at sleepaway camp. And originally I thought I would want to work at a magazine. Um, I decided to go to culinary school, so I went to the French Culinary Institute. Probably a little bit of prolonging after college, not sure what to do next, so I convinced my parents to let me take out a loan and go to the FCI. Um, And there I learned pretty fast that I didn't want to work in a professional kitchen. In fact, I staged at a couple of restaurants, um, one of which was Savoy, and I was just constantly in the way. And as a tiny, tiny person, I don't know how it was possible to be in the way, but I always was, and I was always kind of talking too much. Um, So I learned pretty fast I wasn't meant to be there and ended up with an internship at a PR agency. So just like you did, I got my start in public relations um, at Baltzing Company, which was fantastic. Yes, and just like me, too, after college, I well, I moved to Chicago, and I went to a small cooking school thinking I wanted to be a chef and found out in in doing so that I loved restaurants but didn't necessarily <laughs> want to be in kitchens. So it's another thing we have in common. It's a fast and easy lesson to learn. Yes, and I remember having a hard time reaching things being... Oh, yeah. <laughs> reaching things, and there's a fair amount of drinking that goes on in the kitchen and at 22 years old, I always had something else in my court container and just was messing up on the job. So discipline was something that I lacked as well. Um, But I was interested in magazines. So I took a craft of food writing class with Alan Richmond, actually, while I was at the FCI and learned pretty fast that I didn't have what it took to write either. Um, So it's a good thing I ended up on the marketing end of things at the magazine now. Yes, writing's hard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's tricky, and it's also, it's it's really competitive, and quite frankly, um, I learned early on that I wasn't necessarily going to make the money I wanted to make or write about what I wanted to write about, and I've tremendous respect for all of my colleagues at Bon Appetit Magazine, but happy to be on the side that I'm on. I hear you. So we met, I believe, when you were at Baltz. Yes, yeah, so I got my internship, um, Phil Baltz plucked me out of culinary school and has since been a huge mentor of mine in my career. And I had no idea what PR was, but I knew it was something social and I could still be involved in restaurants, which I was immediately attracted to. Um, And Phil's company oversees the American Express restaurant trade program at the Food & Wine Classic in Aspen. So that's something that I played a bit of ground support on my first year. This was 2006. Um, And in 2007, the girl that was overseeing it quit a week before they were supposed to go to Aspen. And Phil was kind of like, saddle up, you're going. Um, So I went and got to be part of what I think is one of the greatest um, food events in the country. They're a competitor, but I love Aspen. Um, And overseeing the trade program specifically, it's a series of panel discussions, B2B, restaurateur to restaurateur. So people like Mario Batali are on stage, but also Bobby Flay is in the audience. So being the person that got to curate the topics and the talent for that panel was a huge door opener for me. Um, Having contacts like Thomas Keller and Danny Meyer immediately um, really springboarded my career into becoming 
a chef wrangler and really understanding the key players in the industry, which was huge. So Absolutely. I, I, I went to Aspen several years in a, in a row, and the trade panel and that part of the event has always been my favorite part. And I think it's, I don't know, it's educational, it's good networking. And so the fact that you've worked on that, and it's, it's yeah. tremendous. It was really, really special. I made some great contacts. So I think following that particular event, I knew I was bit by the event bug. And it was that, and not necessarily PR, that I was super passionate about. Um, so that's how I kind of ended up transitioning. Phil actually built an event division um, while I was still at Baltz, which was fantastic, and I got to oversee. And I think people are learning now that PR and events and marketing in general are all kind of close cousins, and they're all super um, tightly related. So I stayed for another two years overseeing events at Baltz before I came to my new home at Bon Appetit. Yes, and I'm also remembering... South Beach Food and Wine, and maybe it was an event with Patron at oh, yeah. like a freezing pool party. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up working the Food and Wine Festival, going to many of those from South Beach to Pebble Beach, New York City one and Food Festival, and everything in between, working with American Express and also working with Patron Spirits, um, which were two fantastic clients to be involved with and kind of great experience that led into what I do now, kind of working with advertisers at the magazine. Right. So when did you join Bon Appetit? Um, Let's see. I've been at Bon Appetit for four and a half years. So I think it was 2012. Now that we're starting a fresh year, I can get my math right. 2012, I joined as the associate director of special events um, and it was at an interesting time. Adam Rappaport, our editor-in-chief, and Pam Druckerman, our publisher, had just come on a couple months before. So it was a major pivotal moment for the brand where a lot of things were changing, including our event strategy. So it was a really exciting time to come on board and be able to start a lot of our new signature platforms from the ground up. So, so your event strategy, what, I mean... For someone who doesn't know, with a, a food magazine, like sure. what is an event strategy or how did sure. that change? Well, I think something very interesting is happening in the culinary event landscape right now. And as I mentioned, a lot of my experience was with all the food festivals that have kind of popped up across the country. And they all follow a very, very similar model that I think um, people have become familiar with and it was very engaging in the beginning but now people have kind of become savvy too and a little fatigued with um, the fact that they all follow the same structure whether you're in Atlanta or Pebble Beach and what we we're striving to do and have since done at Bon Appetit is to kind of create a new food festival model that's a higher level of engagement, that's a response to this new savvy young person who's willing to spend money on food festivals. Um, so out of that, one event that um, we started when I joined the magazine is called Grub Crawl. It's a walkable food tour of what we find to be some of the most engaging and exciting food and drink destinations um, in the country. So we've been to Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., Miami, Charleston, New Orleans, Park City, Nashville. Um, the list goes on, but rather than 
taking people out of the restaurants and having them stand in a field and wait in line to eat off a disposable plate, we're bringing them into the restaurants so that they can see the plates that the restaurateur picked out and listen to the music that they're playing and what is the server wearing. And we're bringing people into the chef's environment to engage with them, which I think people are really craving that more high-touch experience. So that was a way that we recreated the kind of mass food event. Um, and also Bon Appetit wanted to evolve into a lifestyle brand and not just be rooted in culinary. Culinary is kind of that current under all other lifestyle platforms. It's related to travel. It's related to fashion, to music, to art. Um, so another platform that we came up with that I was there to see the start of was Feaster Fashion, which is an amazing series of events during New York City Fashion Week, um, which is a really buzzy time in the city, but also a time that people are eating out. Um, so we found an interesting way to draw parallels between chefs and designers and have these really beautiful dinners and parties to celebrate their new collections and um, draw similarities between that headlining chef and the designer, the seasonality, the creativity, the inspiration behind the line as it compared to the dish that was being served after the party. So that's another really fun one. They're both really fun. I, I love it. I love the magazine. I love these events you do. What grub crawls do you have? Do you have ones planned coming yeah, up? Yeah, we have. Um, the only one that we've got set so far is Nashville, which is on June 4th. So we're actually heading out to scout that later this month. Um, so the programming will be coming out in a couple months, and that'll go on sale. Yeah, before the show, we're talking about dream jobs. Yes, yeah. you have one. So so this is a part of your job. You have to go down to Nashville and scout fabulous restaurants to to. Yeah, that. and it's, it's listen, I love my job. <laughs> I, I've kept it for four and a half years for a reason. But it's also a lot of hard work um, for the Grub Crawl in particular. It's finding the right mix of restaurants that are in an exciting new neighborhood so that there is an art of discovery for our attendees. So I'll do some research on the city and maybe find four neighborhoods that are really exciting. And then within each, look at 20 different restaurants and then convince as many of them that this program is as exciting as we think it is. And then when we see the interest from the restaurants, we need to make sure that we're not at five pizza places or five fine dining moments and really creating an eclectic fun mix that shows off the amazing culture of that particular destination. Um, Nashville's great because there's a lot happening besides food. There's amazing music too. Um, so that's something we like to weave into Grub Crawl is that there are other things to experience other than the food that's on the right. plate. So Nashville's great because we actually work with the CVB. It's Music City, so they bring some amazing acts um, to the programming. This is a city we're doing for the second time, and last year they had Mickey Echo perform along the crawl, which was pretty rad. I wish I knew who that yeah. was, but I'm going <laughs> to look it up later. <laughs> He's got sorry. a song with Rihanna. You'll know him. I'll but, sing it to you after the show. Okay, <laughs> but I did go to Nashville a couple years ago because I... The, it was getting so much buzz about the food scene beyond the music scene. So, Absolutely. Um, I, I'm wondering, when you're scouting these restaurants, are you coordinating or getting advice from the editorial team, like Andrew? A hundred percent. Andrew so Knowlton? Andrew is... Yes. We get his title right. He's now deputy editor. Um, good Andrew title. is. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a little badge he wears around the office. Um, Andrew 
is particularly knowledgeable about Nashville. So he was very hands-on. Um, I shared the list with him, and he and I have gotten to a point where we're pretty often in agreement. Um, he might be the deputy editor, but I have a tiny newsletter called the BA Juice that I write, mm. along with a colleague of mine, Jen. Um, and I frequently put restaurants on that list that end up on the Hot 10 later that year. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Andrew and I work pretty closely together. He gives me a lot of tips. And he also introduces me to some great people. Um, Obviously, I can't sit down and eat at all 60, 80 restaurants I'm going to go to on that trip. But he's like, listen, you've got to go to Rolf and Daughters and spend some time with Philip. So I'll eat a bowl of pasta at the bar. And before I know it, Philip's told me amazing places that he likes to go hang out that weren't even on my list before I got on a plane to go there. So I think it's about spending time with the people that are based there, really understanding the places that chefs like to go, talking to bartenders, talking to the people in the hotels. Um, So that's often led me past the initial list that I had um, kind of embarked with. That's smart. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I went to Rolf and Daughters based on Andrew oh, and your the recommendation. Best. I sat next to Tom Hanks the last time I was there. I was like, wow. and it's a small restaurant. I was like, there you are, Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, we're going to take a little break here and come back, talk more with Nikki. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Brian Alberg, and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and on weekends we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest is Nikki Reese Dermody. She's the Director of Special Events for Bon Appetit and Epicurious.com. And that actually brings me to a question. Sure. Bon Appetit and Epicurious.com. Yes. How are you guys like working together, the brands and... and So it's one umbrella company that owns both brands, but they really function very differently. You know, we didn't seek out to homogenize them and make them the same thing. They have very unique, different identities and personalities. I think Bon Appetit magazine is an amazing authority on um, restaurant culture and lifestyle, as I mentioned, going outside that, you know, into travel, into fashion. Um, and Epicurious is just a really awesome food utility. It's kind of the best search for recipes. But again, I think what they have in common is that 
awesome, authoritative voice that people can trust. Um, before Epicurious became part of our brand, it was always kind of my go-to for any simple recipe. You know, you need the best roast chicken. You want the best carbonara. How do you make awesome nachos? Epicurious is kind of the way, whether it's original content or content that they're curating from other websites. I think it's just a really awesome, trusted resource. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you for clarifying that. Oh, and I finally get to do an event for them. We've got something coming up, um, this awesome movement called Cook It, where we're really trying to incentivize people to, you know, not only search the recipes and make the recipes, but to share their content. I mean, you and I talked about before, Instagram is huge. People love taking photos of everything they cook. So we're kind of going to have this amazing Cook It event. Um, there'll be several of them, but the first one is going to be around the Super Bowl, where we teach some really awesome um, Super Bowl recipes. I can't say what the dish is going to be, but it's going to be the top number one most searchable um, Super Bowl recipe. Nachos? Um, Maybe. <laughs> it's something in I the don't know. I nachos, just... tater tots, chili, all those good, delicious things. Um, it'll be the dish to make this year for the Super Bowl. Um, so we're going to have an awesome meetup that you'll see on social. It's going to be the first Thursday um, before the Super Bowl, and the location is TBD. It's going to be kind of a social unveiling, and then the first 30 people to sign up for that class will get to learn that dish with our editors. Oh, wow. Super yeah, fun. So that'll be really awesome. So what other events do you have coming up? And, and are your events targeted for consumers Mostly like the, the, the crawl and they are, okay. they are, those are ticketed consumer events. So we've got our three signature programs, um, Feaster Fashion and Grub Crawl. I mentioned, um, one that's coming up this spring is Vegas Uncorked. Um, when we did create that new event strategy, this was one that we decided to keep. Vegas Uncorked was an event that existed before I came onto the brand or Adam or Pam came on, but we really wanted to retool it um, and make it something that fit in with our new brand profile. And it's come to be this really awesome four-day, 30-event um, weekend in Las Vegas, um, and this year's our 10th anniversary. So that's April 28th to May 1st, and it's going to be a really awesome event this year because we're inviting the alumni who have participated over the last decade. Um, so it's not just certain chefs this year, but it's anyone who's participated in the event for the last 10 to really celebrate this anniversary year. Um, so tickets will go on sale early February, and we'll probably have a big bash here in New York, as we typically do, to celebrate that. So stay tuned for more details there. Um, and then we, we like to find ourselves in really interesting places at the cross-section of food and other industries, as I mentioned. So we go to the Derby. We go to we do an event at the PGA Championship. Um, we're doing something at South Bites this year um, at South by Southwest. Oh, so I'm excited. Austin's one of the few places I haven't been. Um, I'm due to go back. Yeah. Well, come to South Bites. Um, we're going to do a kind of VIP trade-only kickoff to the weekend at Franklin Barbecue. So the restaurant's shutting down for the night, which is... That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, it's the first time I want to have to have wait in line at some event for Aaron Franklin's barbecue. We'll be in the restaurant and have it to ourselves, which will be really nice. And I'm excited to check out a lot of what Austin has to offer. Yeah, I keep reading about Austin. And yeah, I'm, I am due for a trip. So when I was also going to ask you, I know you do Portland. Oh, right? we do. The so because I've been to that one. Oh, you have. I okay. went to the very first year and I was talking to Carrie Welsh about 
probably going back this year because oh, you absolutely should. five years, five years, right? Um, I think so. We have we've done four, so we're going okay. into our fifth. Um, so that was an event that came to us before they started. So we've gotten to see it from its first year, and I got to work on it that first year. And it's just it's super special. I think it's about the place um, and the fact that there is so much interesting stuff happening in Portland and it's kind of an incubator for ideas and activity and trends that are going across the country like Pock Pock and Stumptown. Um, but I think it's also the nature of the festival. Um, it's got a heavy trade focus. So like we were talking about with Aspen, you see a lot of chefs and restaurateurs who are attending because they want to be at the panel discussions and the demonstrations and the seminars that are going on. Um, and it's just a really awesome city, and no one does it better than those guys. Mike Thalen and Kerry Welsh um, put on a spectacular show, so we're psyched to be a part of that one. Um, and I look forward to it every year. Um, I missed it. The second year was my wedding. Um, we well, talked about a, moving the pretty, date. Pretty good excuse. <laughs> well, I mean, Adam was like, why don't you move the festival? And they're like, why doesn't Nikki move her wedding? I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to miss one year, and then I'll be back. And then we had our anniversary, and now yeah. I'm back to Portland, so excited well quite a year of events you have coming up so how do you i mean how do you manage all of this what's a day in the life well a lot of it is a long lead planning so something like vegas uncorked we start planning that the day it ends um so i did my first scouting trip out to vegas with the idea of what all the programming was going to be in december and that's for an event that's end of april early may but also one thing that we do quite often at bon Appetit, which i love slash hate is we put these events together quite quickly because relevancy and kind of staying on trend and giving people um, an experience that's current is so important. So, for example, one event that we do that I struggle with but enjoy very, very much is our Hot 10 event. So every September, Andrew puts together the best new restaurants in America, and that issue hits newsstands. It must be like the third week of August, and then we throw an event for it the first week of September. So I'm not even allowed to communicate with these 10 chefs until they know the news because it's a surprise to them also. Mm -hmm. And then in a span of two weeks, I have to create an event around them, fly all 10 of them to New York City and have them cook. So it's fast and it's furious, um, but there's never a dull moment, which I love and you know, it's, it's working with a lot of different chefs that I love the most about this job. Um, I've had a couple of opportunities to think about working in-house um, with a chef. And I think even if it was the chef I admired the most or one of those dream working for Danny Meyer jobs, it's still it's one brand in particular um, that you would live and breathe. And what I love about Bon Appetit is it's never the same chefs. We work with so many different chefs, and it's always someone new and kind of discovering a new restaurant and new talent. Um, so it's working with a lot of different people, which I love. I, I'm feeling jealous of your job. I really am. <laughs> Not to brag, but it's a pretty pretty awesome gig. I, I, it, it, I know it is, and this is a perfect segue to my question from my last guest. So in episode 89, I had on Anthony Giglio, one of the most... Oh, I love Anthony. Yes, he's he's dubbed as one of the most entertaining wine and spirits authorities, um, and I love him too. And he wanted to know, so you have an amazing job. What's your favorite part? Oh, that was a question that Anthony had for me. I thought that's a question you asked him, and that 
was just an example. No, Thank you, Anthony, if you're you. out there. You. Um, well, two things that I think I already touched on. One is the travel. Um, the places I've gotten to go and the things I've gotten to see, kind of like those marquee events like the Derby, like Sundance, like the PGA Championship. It's stuff that even makes my husband jealous, and he's not even necessarily, he loves food as much as the next guy, but not necessarily a restaurant enthusiast. The fact that I've gotten to be there for those tentpole moments is really awesome. And then I think the ability to have it be as social as it is and to meet new people um, is what's really the most rewarding for me. Yeah, that's, I'm sure he'll be satisfied with (laughs) that answer. He'll text me if he's not. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so we're going to take another break here and come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is Mimi Sheraton, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. back. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Nikki Reese Dermody. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name two or more things, either or situation, and you just pick your preference. Perfect. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. God, I miss cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> and by cocktail, n- not 15-ingredient cocktail, I would kill someone for a Vesper martini. <laughs> All righty. That reminds me of Vegas. Isn't there a bar, the Vesper? Yeah. Yeah. All right. A Vesper at the Vesper. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Sorry, but tipping. Don't be sorry. (laughs) Industry's changing, but don't be sorry. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay, a couple more. Pre or post-event work? Pre. I'm all about the event breakdown. It's me and a whiskey and never, never work. Okay. (laughs) Um, Grub crawl or pub crawl? Grub crawl. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Though I'm loving being here with you right now. 
<laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn is not going to kick you out. <laughs> well, they, I think Brooklyn knows that my heart's in Manhattan, as do all my Brooklyn friends who I love so dearly. Awesome. That was the game. Oh, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Just a little fun, fun round. I love it. I love it. So, industry news. So, I had an article from Eater that I picked out uh, because there were lots of end of the year roundup type yes. articles. This one I thought was interesting. It was by Amanda Clute and titled NYC Dining Was Not Better Than Ever in 2015. So, you know, I don't think she was slamming the year, but I think just saying it wasn't as epic as maybe maybe other years have been. And I kind of agree. I kind of agree with her, too. Um, I did read this article, and I love Amanda. Um, and I think one of her reasons was that the major moments, um, the buzzworthy ones, were kind of fast casuals, I think was mm-hmm. one of the points that she made in there was kind of about... Um, Fuku Plus. Fried chicken and, and veggie um, burgers. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But I thought those were interesting. I don't necessarily consider those the best restaurants that happened in the last year, but I think it's kind of telling of a direction and a trend. And I think it's interesting because both of those concepts came from people who have very serious culinary pedigrees. You know, I guess she was talking about um, Brooks and Superiority Burger, and he was the pastry chef at Del Posto, and then we're talking about Dave Chang. Um, and some of my favorite restaurants weren't that type of fast casual, but there's a couple that I can think of that I was pretty excited about this year that were smaller, more casual restaurants. And I think we just didn't have that show-stopping fine dining experience. And one of the points right. that she made that I agree with is, you know, a lot of the great openings this year came from um, the team behind um, Teresi. Yeah, and, major yeah. food group. Exactly. Sorry, their proper name. Jeff would slam me for that. Um, but but I do, I agreed with everything she said. I went to Dirty French recently, and I didn't want to love it as much as I did, but I did. And Santina is great, and we just had a fabulous lunch at Sidel's. Um, so I understood what she was saying there. Um, it, it wasn't as unexpected as you want it to be, I guess, because... Um, those all came from that one restaurant group. And I think that's, it's disappointing, but I think one of the last things she said in the article, because I wrote down as I was reading it, the restaurants that I was excited about that she didn't mention. And I think she mentioned Babu G right at the end, didn't she? I think she did. She threw in, it's a little Indian restaurant in Alphabet City. And she was like, and by the way, this is great. But I think in that same category, I would put Wild Air, which was, is yeah. the Contra guys, and their food is fantastic, but it's casual. Um, I don't know if you know it, but Kiki's, this really amazing Greek place that's like almost in Chinatown, down on Division. I've heard of it, but I've never been. I haven't been there. But the other, the I'm I'm right with you. Everything yeah. you're saying with with Babaji and Wild Air and all that, and yeah, and yeah. And the I'm last one is the little Korean restaurant that's in um, the East Village. It's small plates also, and I never know how to say it. Oh, the o- OG? Yes, thank you for saying but, it because I was going to say Ouija. But I don't. I I, I think it is Ouija. But- I, <laughs> but I, but Hopefully I, we'll get a comment correcting us. But that restaurant was yeah, great. Yeah, O I J I. Exactly. So, yeah, I have no idea how you yeah. pronounce it, but I'm there with might you. be a U in there somewhere yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> but those restaurants are great. But again, I think Amanda's um, point of view was kind of that there wasn't that restaurant that you wanted to say was the best restaurant. And um, 
I think it's disappointing as a New Yorker because L.A. is having a really major moment right now. Yeah, well, I agree with all that. I was looking also at what Pete Wells had written about his mm-hmm. favorite restaurants of the year, and he had put um, Cosme, Momofuku Co., and Gabriel Kruther. I think oh, yeah. that was like the the more fine dining, elegant yep. like splash of the year, I yeah, think. Yeah, I agree. But Co. was a revision. A revision. And, uh-huh. and Cosme, I was thinking, opened... Like, did it open in 2015? I went right before. I know exactly when I went there. I went right before Thanksgiving last year. So that's not. Sorry, Pete. I kind of was thinking he was cheating a little bit on that one, too. He's stretching it. Yeah. But love Enrique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no. Well, I think I'm glad she wrote the article because, I I mean, it wasn't. It was just it was an honest not every yeah. year is going to be the best year, and unfortunately, it wasn't ours for New York. I'm going to give it to the West Coast this year. All right. Well, tune in at the end of next year, see where exactly. we're at. So the other news uh, I had for this week, in the New York Times, Jeff Gordon Air wrote, at 11 Madison Park, a new minimalism. So this is big news for yeah, EMP. I'm so curious about this. And it's nice to have a reason to go back. You yeah. know, Will says they don't make the change so that um, people will revisit. He says they'd be busy anyway. But for someone like me, you know, I need a reason to go back and spend that money again. Because 11 Madison Park, it's one of my favorite fine dining restaurants and tasting menu experiences, um, actually. But now I think I have an excuse to go back there and check out what this is really all about. I agree. I mean, it's very interesting. They like to change things up. Mm -hmm. And this, they're saying, so they're going from 14 courses to seven courses. But the price stays the same. Price the same, larger portions, and they're using Rayos a bit as inspiration. Yeah. Which I finally went to Rayos last year, so I know what they're oh, talking you about. Did. Yes, I haven't been to the Rayos, which is a shame because I know Frank and Frank. So how I can't get in, I still don't I know. I would think you could get in. Uh, <laughs> I, I got lucky. A friend, a friend had has gotten a table, and I was invited. But, but basically, what you sit down, and then Frank or someone comes over and sits down next to you, and says, "So, what are you in the mood what do you for?" Feel like kind of goes through the menu and guides you into or- what you want to order. So that, I think, is um, Daniel and um, Will are, are using that a bit of inspiration well, to be like, let's let's like help people order versus telling them what they want. I think that level of hospitality is something really special that's slipping right now. Um, I think there's something great when a waiter is authoritative, but you also want to be engaged in the process. You know, same with an event and a dining experience. You want to feel a certain level of participation. So for them to make you feel comfortable enough to say what you want to say and ask questions and um, show preferences is a wonderful thing in a restaurant. Because I've been to all too many restaurants where, you know, my husband or whoever is with me barely even wants to ask a question or say, like, I don't know if I like squab because they're too worried about offending the waiter. So I think having that level of engagement and having a certain amount of choices is really great. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, it's interesting news. It's, it's, it will be exciting to see how they make the change and then what people think of it. But these guys are 
are they're geniuses. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I can't say enough great things about um, Chef Hume and about Will and his whole team over there. So I have no doubt it's going to be spectacular. I don't know if I believe them when they say they're just changing for the fun of it, um, but. They got me. I'll definitely be going back and checking it out. Yeah, they got me too. (laughs) (laughs) Twist our arms to go to 11 Madison Park, why don't you? Yeah, no, they do. Okay, so one more break here. We're going to come back and do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Eat Me in Bangkok, Thailand. Here's the rundown. Location, Soy Papat 2 in Solom, Bangkok. The concept, a modern international restaurant ranked number 25 on Asia's 50 best restaurants list. The chef, Tim Butler. Why did I go? Because I heard that this was the hot modern restaurant and figured I'd try one non-Thai meal while in Thailand. My experience. I arrived for an early reservation and was seated at a two-top in the upstairs contemporary dining room. As I dined, I had a couple nice conversations with the staff, including the GM, who all seemed to take particular interest in my solo meal, wondering what I was doing there alone. What did I get? First, the amazing house bread. Then the line caught Japanese black cod with aromatic coconut cream and oyster mushrooms, a side of char-grilled asparagus with hazelnut and olive oil, and for dessert, sticky date pudding with hot butternut squash. Mm. Butternut squash. That's not what it was. (laughs) Sticky date pudding with hot butterscotch sauce. You had me at butternut squash. (laughs) It would have been delicious, but the hot butterscotch sauce and vanilla ice cream was to die for. So that was the dessert. And everything was delicious, my take. Love the the coconut cream with fish, and that sticky date pudding is worth going for. So the scene seemed like a mix of locals and tourists. Perfect for dinner with friends or date night. Interesting tidbit. So Chef Tim Butler is from New York City. He graduated from the CIA. I know Tim. Do you know him? He used to cook at Alto. And Danielle and Aquavit. But yeah, that's what I had written down. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know him. Oh, wow. I do know him. He was the pastry chef at Alto when Scott Conant was cooking there. That's amazing. That it's, it's wild. It is wild because I didn't, he wasn't there that night. I didn't meet him. But He's a great guy. I kept reading about his pastry, which is why I think this sticky date pudding is amazing. We can tell him he should try butternut squash. I'll t- 
<laughs> I think if he's listening, he'd be like, I can't believe she said that. Sorry, but, Tim. Um, yeah, it yeah was, he's incredibly it was gifted. So, well, that's so cool because I just learned about him, this hot restaurant. And um, my personal fun fact was, so this was my only solo meal I went to in Thailand. Afterward, I took a taxi motorcycle to meet up with my travel mates, which it was quite a thrill and scare. I don't know if you've ever done it, but um, um, I've hitched a ride on a motorcycle in college before. But it's kind of like <laughs> that, but like a higher level of um, um, being scared for your life and thrilled at the same time. Yeah, if it's anything like driving <laughs> in the Philippines, I'm sure it's. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was the best way to get around town, though, because traffic is really bad in, yeah. in Thailand. So or in Bangkok. So. Okay, just to wrap it up, the cost was 1,427 baht, and that's about $40 in the U.S. <laughs> um, I would go back for sure, and their website's eatmeatrestaurant.com. I also think it's a pretty funny name for a restaurant, yeah. Eat Me. Yeah. But um, that's so cool Cheeky. you knew him. Yeah, he was great. That was one of my first clients when I started at Baltz. And I remember Alto, that's that's a dining experience that I wish I could travel back in time for. Um, it was the first fancy dinner I paid for with my own money um, right out of culinary school. And I remember moving things around in my checking account like during on my phone. And then Scott Conant really ended up hooking me up. So thank you, Scott. <laughs> awesome. So, so, so awesome. I love I love that everything is connected in it's some bizarre small, way. It's a small industry. It um, is. And I'm everyone ta- knows everyone. I'm talking about Bangkok and you're like, oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay, so it's time for the final question. Next week my guest is Chef Paul Liebrand, who is now collaborating with Soda Stream on a new gourmet flavors line. So, Nikki, I imagine you know Paul. I do know Paul, and I'm a huge, huge Paul fan. Um, you know, I ate at Cortone when he was still there, and I ate at the Elm before it closed. And then we actually did, um, at, on the Grub Crawl, last New York Grub Crawl, Genuine Superette was one of the stops in the Lower East Side, and he consulted there. Oh, did he? Yeah. I recently went there. To yeah, the- which is like a really interesting turn for him. Um, he consulted there, Eben Freeman on the cocktails right. and Sam Mason on the dessert program. So it's a real all-star combo for a really casual restaurant. Um, but it's great. Yeah. Melissa Holm recently mm-hmm. had a birthday party downstairs. Yes. I was invited to that birthday and I didn't make it there. I love Melissa. Yeah. She's awesome. But that, the space was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Awesome. Okay. So. Question for Paul. What would you like to ask him? Um, I mean, this is a really obvious question, but I'd love to know what he's doing next. I think his path has been a really interesting one from fine dining to a bit more casual to this kind of consulting gig. And this is the first I'm hearing about SodaStream. And it's really interesting to me um, that chefs are kind of always finding new ways to market themselves. And it's not as traditional of a position as it used to be. Um, as they become kind of their own personalities. And Paul is certainly one of them. You know, he's got the memoir and the movie. Um, so really... <laughs> memoir and the movie. <laughs> he and does. It, and it's so true. He does. Um, and so I'm really curious what's what's next for Paul and kind of what his new role consulting really means. So hopefully he'll share some of that with you. And I'll be listening. I'll be listening. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. 
awesome. I keep saying awesome because I'm just excited to be back 2016. <laughs> Happy New Year. We're only going to say it till this month is over. Okay, or maybe just this one show. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I guess you're not going to say it over and over. I will continue to say it to my friends I see until the end of January, and then I'm calling it and a wrap. And then we'll move on to Happy Valentine's Day. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, for it's been a out pleasure. Here. Thank you for having me. And now I'm going to go eat some pizza. Terrific. Thank you, Nikki. I've my guest today has been Nikki Reese Dermody. She's the director of special events at Bon Appetit and Epicurious.com. Their website is bonappetit.com and Epicurious.com. You can follow her at Nikki Reese at Bon Appetit and at Epicurious. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. I have two websites, BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to everyone out there listening, to my engineer, Liz Smith, and again to Nikki. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 non-profit to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening